Hey, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and welcome to the show. This week, I've got two guests, and they are Carly and Hannah, and they host one of my favorite podcasts. It's called the Count Me In Podcast. Um, It's a dance education and childhood development podcast, and just to read their words, um, they are on a mission to engage their guests in meaningful conversations around their childhood, their growth in their professional field, and all the steps in between. Through this podcast, they also want to continue to spread the love of dance, shed light on all the different career paths within dance and education, and always advocate for the well-being of every child. So I love this podcast. I do have a dance background. However, it's really for anyone who's interested in child development, being present with children, respecting children. So give it a listen for sure. Um, Just to give you a little background for each of them, Carly Fay has a BA in dance and performed and danced in New York City for 10 years. She has been teaching dance to students aged 2 to adult for over 15 years. Many of her students have gone on to collegiate dance programs and professional careers, but more importantly, she hopes they carry a love of dance and hard work with them into any path that they choose. She also serves as an adjudicator and master teacher with several dance competitions. Carly is a 200-hour certified yoga teacher and holds a certification to teach children's yoga from Next Generation Yoga. Hannah May is co-host of Count Me In, which I just told you about. She holds a BA in psychology and an MED in Montessori education, and currently works as an elementary guide serving children ages six to nine. Prior to becoming a Montessori guide, Hannah's world revolved around teaching dance to children of all ages. She's also a certified yoga teacher and a positive discipline educator. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. You have an amazing podcast voice, Jess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I, I just love it. I love podcasts. So I'm glad my voice matches. (laughs) Um, You guys. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I feel like I need to hear my own voice because I need to be soothed right now uh, before we started recording. So as everyone knows, we are in a very trying time. And before we started recording, I was, I was telling them it's just, it's been a day and bedtime's been tough, my daughter, but um, we're here, we're recording. And I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I listen every week. Um, I met Carly through my yoga certification, by the way. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, to be on the other side of it, to be interviewing you is awesome. Um, so I, this is a little different because, well, both of you are yogis and have your own yoga practice. And I know, Carly, you did your kids yoga certification. But Carly, you're a, a dance teacher mainly. And Hannah, you're a Montessori teacher. So I'm excited to get your perspective right now, just on more broadly on child development. So I guess starting with you, Carly, how did you begin working with children? What kind of drew you to teaching children dance? 
Uh, well, it kind of fell into my lap. Um, it was the very first and only job that I had had when I was like 17, I think. I was a senior in high school and one of my mentors um, knew had another friend who then became another one of my mentors and she had a studio and she needed a tap teacher for, you know, a few classes for some younger kids. And she was like, Hey, I think you would be good at this. Why don't you give it a shot? And so they had me come in and I taught a little demo class kind of thing. And they hired me and I kind of, and I'd been, I'd done some assisting prior to that, but that's kind of that year is when I kind of like fell in love where it was like, I got to choreograph their entire recital, entire recital dance for myself and like see them on stage and see it in like that, that different perspective, um, and have to, and to be trusted at, you know, with it all. Um, Mm. so it kind of, kind of fell into my lap in that way, but then I just never really stopped. I kind of just loved it, fell in love. And then at that same studio kind of kept, progressing into like, well, I want to teach this class too. And then I want to teach this and I want to teach this. And they were really great and kind of, um, training me like on the spot <laughs> on how to work with children. And did you, you studied dance in college, right? Yes. Um, and then did you teach during that time or did you take a break from teaching? Nope. Uh, I taught at that same studio because I went to college not too far from where I grew up. And um, that studio was also kind of pretty close to there. So I taught uh, at that studio and another dance studio uh, my entire four years of college. Um, I think like two to three days a week. I think I was I was at one studio like all day on Saturday. And um, yeah, I think by my senior year, I was teaching maybe like four, almost like four days a week, but, um, yeah. And then kept it going. And then I guess I took, I took a tiny break when I first moved to New York, just because that wasn't like in the cards right away. Um, but then not long after got back into teaching again. Amazing. So yeah, you started and never stopped really. That's awesome. Um, Hannah, how did you start working with children? Um, so I used to be able to say I've never had a I've never had a job that wasn't working with children, but the only exception to that was teaching yoga, which was adults, but it was still teaching, so a lot of the same concepts applied. Um, but yeah, I started working in a, a preschool summer camp when I was fifteen, I think, um, and then I just kept working there through the end of high school and. At that point, I don't think I would have told you that I would ever be a a teacher working in a school. By all means, I never would have said that. Um, and uh, about I, after a year of college, uh, I mean, I taught a little bit of dance in high school. And then I went um, to Point Park for dance for a year. And then, uh, as Carly and I like to call it, I had a teen <laughs> life crisis. And I moved home and was like, I'm not going to try to be a professional dancer. I was just like, nope, not happening. Um, So I came home and just put out a bunch of feelers and immediately started teaching dance from that point on. And um, after that, I mean, I just, I loved it. Um, I mean, I loved working in that preschool. It was a great first job. But then after I started teaching dance, I really started to appreciate dance in a whole new way. Like I remember telling my mom, like, oh my gosh, like the, 
the joy of watching them on stage is so different than the joy that I used to feel on stage. And for me, that was it. Like that was more um, fulfilling for me. Um, so that's how I got, got started teaching dance. And then just through a lot of soul searching and a lot of years and still teaching dance and going to college and um, doing different school placements and internships, more like in the field of psychology. So I worked with a lot of um, students with special needs and things. Like I didn't, I didn't work in any traditional education um, programs. Uh, yeah, I somehow landed on Montessori after a lot of uh, soul searching. And now I work with children age six to nine because that's what I figured out was especially my niche and especially my love to work with. So I, I do want to definitely get into more about Montessori because when I listen to the podcast, to your podcast, whenever I hear about Montessori, it's just very parallel with yoga, which I find fascinating. But before we get to that, kind of wanted to circle around to, to yoga and how you guys found yoga. So Carly, for you, um, when did yoga come into your life and um, why did it interest you and and then why did you go on to do your children's yoga certification? Yeah, I like have vague memories um, in like high school and college, like taking some yoga classes, but not really being pulled in. I remember taking um, a yoga class with a dance instructor of mine and walking out of the room, like thinking like, oh, that was easy. Like it was like a gentle class or a yin class or something like that. I'm sure looking back and I was like, oh, that was whatever. Um, that's not for me. Like I like to sweat and like dance and whatever. And then at some point when I was in New York, uh, my roommate and I started going to yoga for the people or yoga to the people, yoga for the people, I think is what it's called. Uh, where they had like donation-based classes. And I just remember one time being in that class and was in pigeon pose, which is still like my arch nemesis pose, and like started crying, like just started crying in this pose, like inexplicably, so I thought. And that's when I kind of was like, huh, maybe there's something to this. Like they've been talking about how we hold things in our hips and I've got these really tight hips and now I'm crying and I don't even know why and all these emotions and things are coming up. And that's when I kind of, uh, the, it kind of switched into more like less of a, like, I'm going to work out and sweat and do this power vinyasa thing. And into more of like, Oh, I'm interested in this whole philosophy and more about it. Um, so I just kind of, kept doing that. I kept going to yoga to the people a lot because of financial region, reasons in New York. Um, and then, yeah, decided to do my teacher training at Laughing Lotus with you um, after I'd been taking classes there. And um, But I did my kids certification prior actually to my 200 hour. That was, that's kind of what spurred me to then do the 200 hour. Um, because I saw, I guess when I was at the studio, I saw like an advertisement or a sign or something for this kid's yoga training. And I was kind of feeling a little stuck in the job that I had, a little bit like limited. And I was working with a lot of young children at the time and was kind of feeling, I don't know, like stuck in a routine and like I was doing the same things and they weren't always working. And so it kind of just seemed like an investment to expand my abilities of things to teach and to improve my teaching of young children. 
Um, so I did that kids yoga training and I remember being like super nervous going into it. Like, I don't even know if I'm experienced enough at yoga and like, I don't even have my certification. And like the first day her going through like a sample class and I was like, Oh, this is like the same thing that I do with three-year-olds sort of like all the time. Like we're singing songs and moving our bodies. Like, Oh, I can handle this. I can handle this. And then um, yeah, had like a really nice training, um, with Jody and yeah, decided that she mentioned in that training, um, that it wouldn't be a bad idea if this was something we wanted to pursue to get our 200 hour, at least training to just give us, you know, a little bit more, um, like legitimacy. Um, and it was something that I kind of had been wanting to do. So I don't know how much time really lapsed between there, probably like a year or two. Um, and then got my 200 hour and yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I didn't realize that you got your kid certification prior. Actually, I probably did know that. You probably told me that back in the day when we met at our training. Um, I think, um, I, I think they said that's why they paired us together. Because we had put yeah. in our application that we both yes. had done children's yoga. Right, <laughs> That's right, why right. They made yeah, and I remember we were we immediately clicked. Um, yeah. and they definitely knew. Um, but totally, yeah, it's so parallel. That's why I also wanted to have you guys on because I I do feel like if teaching dance and teaching kids yoga is very parallel, depending on how you see it. And I think the way that you guys view. Um, child development and respecting children and being present with children. It's just all uh, super connected. Um, okay. So Hannah, how did yoga come into your life? Um, so originally, like Carly was saying, she was going to yoga to the people <laughs> for a long time in New York. And I was her like 15, 16 year old younger sister coming to visit her. And she would convince me to go to these classes and I hated them. <laughs> I hated oh. them so much. And I think when I reflect back on it now is because I was like a really serious dancer at the time and it, it made me feel like I wasn't strong. And before that I had felt like an athlete. Does that make sense? Yes. But I wasn't doing anything in addition to my dance training to build strength. So I was like very um, balletic and things like that, but I, yoga was really hard for me like not the flexibility part but like sitting in chair and just holding down dog like with my shoulders and all of that was really hard for me when I was 15 so I think that's why I hated it okay so fast forward um like three years from that and I had that teen life crisis I mentioned when I gave up uh training to be like a professional dancer and um at that point I think I found yoga because Yoga was like the therapy that I wasn't like mature and fully developed enough to admit that I needed <laughs> um, because I was like 19, you know, um, mm. and I found it and I just couldn't stop going after that. It was just an immediate um, almost obsession, I would say, at that point in my life. Um because I think I had jumped off from dance training, I was still like, I was going to the gym a lot and I was still dancing, just not as intensely. And so I was going to yoga like a lot, a lot, a lot. And my favorite part about it, I remember when I was that um, age, was just that there was no mirrors. So I was moving my body, but there was 
no, I didn't have to look at my body. I had to feel my body. And so I didn't have to judge how it looked in the mirror in a certain position for dance. For example, I I could just feel it in my body and it didn't matter if my knees were bent. (laughs) Um, And so I think that's um, what originally called me to it. And then over the years, I just really jumped in. I did work study at that same studio and then I did teacher training and then I did teach yoga um, to adults for about two years before moving to become a Montessori guide. So I just fell in love with all the parts of it because the physical part of it was, I think, what drew me in from being a dancer. But then the, the mental and spiritual part of it drew me in because emotionally I really needed that at that time and still need it. Come on, we all need it. Um, and then I think the third part that really hooked me was like, the whole other world, like the whole almost academic world of yoga, because I'm a self-proclaimed nerd and I love to learn and read. And so once I found out I could do a teacher training and read books about yoga and like really, really learn about it, I was just totally in. Totally. This is such a similar story, I think, to so many dancers that I think for all of us, it's like I found it the same way. And it was, it's almost like a detox from... yeah dance in a way when you've trained for so long and been looking in a mirror for so long and trying to get your leg higher and do more pirouettes and all these things. And then you come into yoga and it's like, oh, wait, what? There's no mirrors? And it's just for me? And you're still getting that physical part that Mm -hmm. you love about dance. So it makes me wonder, like, if children start younger now with yoga while they're dancing, if it's more of a cross-training for them, how that will change you know, how, how kids see dance. Have you guys found at all in your interviews with dance teachers that kids are doing more yoga with the dance? Like do dance studios offer both? Have you found, or does, is it still pretty separate? Do you think? Uh, this, one of the studios that I teach for the owner just also happens to love yoga and recently got her teacher training. So she is now, certified in I think like teen yoga she also got like did a teen yoga training and she also did like a children's yoga training so there I personally have have offered some stuff and she's had friends come in and she teaches like a regular teen yoga class that a lot of like those company members do come to and I know that they're really finding it beneficial but it's still very it's not offered like a whole lot it's more of like a, a specialty thing um and I don't, I want to say that like, no, <laughs> from like, I feel like it, kids are going yeah. other places. If they are doing it, it's like at a specific, um, like kids yoga studio or, you know what I mean? And it's just making the wheels in my head spin. Cause I'm like, why aren't these things more kind of interwoven? Cause they're so connected. Um, but anyway, so that's something to think about. Uh, but Hannah, I wanted to come back to you. So in how you then, So you were teaching yoga to adults and then how you found Montessori and how, what made you decide to kind of go that route? Um, So at the same time I was teaching yoga to adults, I was teaching dance full time too. So they were were complementing each other. And that whole time, um, you know, I was like just out of college and I was a psych major, and for me, it was always going to be most likely more school because I love school. Um, And so I was just looking at what I wanted to do because I would say most of my college after I 
left the dance world behind was just searching a lot, a lot of searching. Cause, because for me, like when I was 17, it was like, okay, I'm going to dance. And like, I had very much tunnel vision about that. So my, I wasn't open to other career paths really at that point. So I just did a lot, a lot of searching and I had a professor, um, a special education professor that introduced me to Montessori, um, pretty much in passing, just in her classes, she would mention Montessori and be like, um, you know, oh, in special ed, do this um, technique. She's like, but Montessori is another style of teaching that already does this. It's inherently built into the theory. And comments like that piqued my interest. And I just started doing my my own research um, on Montessori. And I loved it. Like everything I read, it was like, click, click, click. Yes, 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 yes. And I think it's hard to separate my like finding Montessori from like me finding yoga because like I said I was doing a lot of searching and you've mentioned like that when you hear me talk about Montessori you hear a lot of parallels to yoga and I think that's because everything's so interdisciplinary and they're very intertwined in my mind so it's like intertwined in my interpretation of Montessori does that make sense yeah and for listeners who aren't familiar with Montessori can you just give a just like a short description of what it yes. is exactly. So Montessori is an approach to human development that really focuses on each individual child's and their entire, their whole development. So yes, it is a type of school, but it's also like in a lot of ways, it's like a way of life. Like there's Montessori for the home. There's Montessori for Alzheimer's being developed right now. Um, and it's all about, um, as an adult or as the person serving the child, your job is to guide them rather than teach them. So the child really teaches themselves through individual work. So yes. I hope that made sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Anyone interested, is there like a good blog or book or something that if, if anyone's it piqued their interest that they can look into to start? Um, well, one of her most famous books is called The Absorbent Mind. Um, I would say that's her most famous books, but that's really a good way to get into Montessori. Now, I will say that with a disclaimer, like these books were written in like 1900 um, and she's brilliant, but like she's also a very, her style of writing is um, intense, I will say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if you're preparing to read it, like I would say just, I think you have to be in the right mental space like it's not like a before bed book does that make sense totally yeah Carly and started I also, reading a Montessori book as a newbie she could comment on that it's yeah it's just very dense like I found myself right. like, I, trying to read it before bed and it was like I can't even uh, my brain I have to like it, it's more of a like I want to learn about Montessori right now for the next 40 minutes and I'm gonna read <laughs> like totally yeah. I also find right now honestly even on Instagram if you search Montessori there's some accounts I follow that just give ideas for yeah. different ways to play with your children that are Montessori. They're, it's just all over. So really, yeah, the, well, Google it. <laughs> You'll find lots. Yeah. And I would say, and then if, as you get, if you get more serious about it, just use, um, you know, use your judgment, just like when you're reading the news about something, whether something's reliable or not, just because Montessori never copyrighted, trademarked anything. So anyone can use that name without, mm permission essentially. And so 
there is, you're so right. There's a lot of quality content and really good stuff coming out and it's exciting, but I would say just, you know, use your best judgment. I mean, to decide whether it's for you or not, just because there is a lot yes. of content. Cause I have found accounts where I'm like, this doesn't seem <laughs> right. Yeah. And I kind of unfollowed. Yeah. So definitely. Um, okay. So I guess I want to talk more about now at this point, how we're in this state of the world where we are teaching online, um, and not in person anymore. And at least for now, obviously, you know, we're going to transition back, but, um, Carly, I was interested in kind of getting your perspective right now of teaching dance classes online. I know you teach quite a bit, right? So, um, just kind of how that's been going, how it's different from being in person and what you've learned so far. Cause I know a lot of kids yoga teachers are also trying to do this right now. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting. Um, it's been, I feel like I, I'm, I've become more used to it now. It's almost becoming like more of a normal thing. Um, but it definitely, took some transitioning. I had to like switch, switch like my way of thinking, I guess, really, um, because it just takes a different kind of energy. Like it's at first, you know, I was doing a lot of like pre-recorded content and that for me was even more challenging because that's no interaction, no feedback, just me like acting a fool in front of a camera, dancing <laughs> around and, um, and then having to even like edit it together because my dog jumped in and if I'm going to make this video that throws me off and then I start over, you know? So that was, um, like extremely challenging for me. That was like very, very draining. The like pre-recorded stuff, especially when trying to do, like I did some pre-recorded classes for like, you know, little, little ones, like three to five. And that, was really hard because it was really hard to put on my like three to five year old voice and excitement when there wasn't a three to five year old in front of me. Um, but now that I'm doing a lot of things on zoom, um, there is the ability to interact with them is definitely a game changer. It's still uh, a different kind of energy. Like it still takes a little bit more cause there is, they're not right in the room with me. There isn't any kind of you know, physical interaction or anything like that, but they are still able to, you know, be silly and doing all these things. And the, the feedback, getting the feedback during class, I've found really helpful. Um, I've also, you know, the trickiest part with things like zoom, um, is like that audio component where like, you know, in a, a kid's yoga class or a kid's dance class, part of the, like the noisiness and the chaos is like part of the fun to me. Like when they are, when, like you've talked about it a lot on this podcast, when, you know, they're making a pose and they might be like, Hey, well, I think this would be a good such and such a pose. And you like roll with it and there's, it, it works. Um, but you have to like mute everyone in the room or like your audio gets distorted if you're playing music. So that it's a little bit like quieter in that regard. So I've found myself though, it's been helpful having like a teen assistant in those classes so that I can be kind of teaching. And if one of them is like waving their hands in the camera because they just want to tell me something, she can unmute them 
and like intervene as opposed to me. Then oh, that's having a great to idea. Something. Yeah. That's been really helpful. And most of the time they're just interrupting to show me their stuffed animal that's next to them because they're taking dance class in their room. <laughs> um, but even like those kinds of things are the normal things that happen in class, you know, like they raise their hand, they say they have a question, but they tell me that their brother did something yesterday. So I, that is helping. Um, but it is, it's, it's definitely been a transition. I do find it more tiring. Like I am used to, you know, on plenty of nights before all of this, you know, pre COVID, I was at the studio for, you know, five to six hours, sometimes teaching pretty much back to back classes. And yeah, that was tiring, but that's what I did. And it was fine. And now I'm finding that like, I'll teach three classes in a row and that third class ends. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm I'm spent (laughs) after three classes as opposed to six. Right. So it's, that's so interesting. Like it's just such a different way that you're using your energy, even though it's less time. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that. It's just Mm -hmm. the emotional part too, I think. Yeah. Can be draining. Um, and, And then Hannah, so as a school teacher, so I can just speak from from my point of view as a parent right now, since my daughter's four, so her preschool, they, they've been doing just twice a week. They'll have these little Zoom calls just to kind of check in and maybe do show and tell or do a story or something. And it's been so hard. I give my daughter the option because I'm like, I'm definitely not going to force this. But um, she wants to because she does want to see her friends. But then she's always like, Mommy, when is it my turn? And you know, it just, for a four-year-old, it just doesn't make sense. And it's really hard. So I know the kids you work with are six to nine, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, can you talk a little bit about from your perspective as a teacher, like how that's been going for you? Um, So, sorry, when you said it's been hard for four-year-olds, like that's, I've, my heart has been aching for children that are younger than the age that I work with because Mm. the it's just that this medium is just not designed for them this medium is not prepared for a four-year-old and so I would imagine it's it's really hard um anyways sorry uh for six to nine-year-olds um I mean it's 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 hard for them too um there's a lot of uh a lot of initial grace and courtesy that had to go into it of how to speak into your mic and (laughs) how to uh, raise your hand on Zoom so that you can be unmuted versus where if you do smaller group meetings, how you can unmute yourself yourself, but when and how to do that and how to notice background noise and mute yourself and all of those skills that you wouldn't get from a, you know, going to school every day because you don't have to mute and unmute yourself. Um, that has been interesting and there's obviously been a lot of sweet moments in learning those grace and courtesies and laugh out loud moments learning those grace and courtesies. Um, but really I think for me and for the teach, like the teacher that I work with at my school, I think, I think the most eye opening thing has been really giving more of a view into their home life and having to release the pressure of academic expectations because they're not at school, right? Like when they go to school, we strip away all of those things that are going on at home um, and they're in a classroom set up for them to work and to learn. Whereas at home, it's just, it's not, 
set up like that. So I think that's been a big learning curve. And that's something uh, my school told us to do right away was to lower our expectations. Like this is not school. Like parents are not homeschooling their children, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. This is being at home and continuing learning. Mm. This is not school. Um, So I think that's been the most important part. And I really wish that, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it is to like worry that your child's not learning. Um, but I think the more we worry, the more we put that on the children. So if I was a super, super anxious teacher and was putting a lot of pressure on them, get how would the children feel? They would feel super, super, super anxious <laughs> and trying to get their work done. And that's really not what this time is for, especially right now. It doesn't feel super new anymore as we're moving into multiple months of this, but it is new. It is new for a six-year-old still. They still they still think they're going back to school because they don't have a – they don't have the same um, – what word am I looking for? Um, like estimation of time that we have. Does that – do you know what it – does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like – they, they, some of them still think they're going back to school. Um, and so they're like, so why would I do a lot of work at home? I'm, this is just a break. I'm going back to school. So I think the biggest learning curve has been releasing pressure. Yeah. It's true for everyone. I think for in our lives, really releasing the pressure to do things we thought we would do by now or <laughs> that we yeah. are working towards. But yeah, it does. It, when you said your heart aches for kids like younger kids especially at this time that it's just not designed for it is so sad that with with my daughter like she's like mommy I want to have a play date like when can I have a play date again and then to not have the answer to that um it's hard but I think also my child's younger so it's easier for me to let go of that academic expectation I'm not worried about that at all I'm more I saw something somewhere about um the most important thing is that they still love learning. That's really all. And my daughter the other day was like, I love learning. I was like, Oh, thank God. Okay. (laughs) Good. But I'm able to just follow her interests. Like she was so interested in the magic school bus that show and they go inside the human body and there's germs. And I mean, it's like kind of perfect right now to be learning about that. So she was like super into the human body and germs and I'm just following her interests and, and, doing that. But I know with older kids, you know, it might be like, Oh, are they going to fall behind and all that? But I agree. It's just kind of trying to let that go as much as possible. And, and remembering that the whole world is behind that every other first grader in the world is not going to first grade right now. So if they're not mastering addition, like no one else is mastering addition either. And if they are doing it at home, then you know what, like you said, like, who knows if they still love it. Do they still love learning or they being, do they just feel like they have to do something at home? <laughs> right. Totally. Well, and I think like remembering that it's hard for these children, just like it is for you too. Like, I know it's hard for my husband to sit at the, his computer inside of an office all day. Like he's experiencing this. And so then, you know, when kids come into school, they've got to do all this online stuff. And then maybe they come to an online dance class or an online yoga class and they're not super engaged. Like, I have to remind myself that this is draining them in the same way that it's draining me in a whole new way. So like, 
I don't know, finding that reminding like myself or ourselves that we're all kind of in a similar boat <laughs> or like we're all, yeah. in the, I saw something like we're all in the same storm. We're not in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. Yes. And so Carly, how have you been taking care of yourself in the midst of all of this and um, teaching so much and adapting to this? Are there any things you've been doing that have helped you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a, it's, it's a roller coaster each day. Um, you know, some days feel better than others. Um, honestly, continuing to like, um, see my therapist weekly on a, like via my computer has been really helpful. Like just keeping up with mm -hmm. that for my mental health has been, um, really helpful because just having a platform to just even just talk about how stressful the whole situation is and not be, but also at the same time, not feel like I have to backtrack and realize that it's stressful for everybody else too. like giving myself the opportunity to just like feel that and vent that. Um, I also find cooking to be really like kind of relaxing and soothing. And now that I'm not commuting to and from a studio, it's like, as soon as I finish teaching, I'm pretty much already in my kitchen. I live in a small house. Like I teach right next to where I, so there's been like more time for me to experiment with like different recipes or different things that I might want to try. And that kind of calms me down, but gives me something physical to do to kind of like unwind and like get in a almost like therapeutic, very um, like almost like yogic mindset. Um, I have been practicing, you know, exercising for myself as much as I can and yoga can be helpful, but I've even found that with that, sometimes I have to like not force that either because I feel like I should be practicing yoga or like I love yoga, so I should be doing it. But sometimes it's hard because the space that I would do it in is like the same space that I'm also now teaching these classes. And so trying to like separate it. And then I also, unless I do my own practice, I'm going to also be looking at my computer for another thing. So it's like this cyclical, I want to get away from my computer, but I also want something new. So trying to like recognize when, um, I really want this like yoga practice and want to do the physical, like asana portion of it, but, and, realizing when it feels like I think I'm just trying to do this because I think I should be doing it. Yes. We talked about when I was on your podcast recently about releasing the shoulds. Yeah. There's so many shoulds right now. Um, Hannah, what have you been doing to take care of yourself? Um, so luckily, very, very luckily, unfortunately, um, I got married the day before <laughs> gatherings were prohibited. Oh, <laughs> um, I did want to ask you about that. The timing of that. Oh my God. I mean, literally like literally. 12 hours after the wedding <laughs> ended in Maryland, they were like, no more gatherings. So I was like, wow. Okay. Um, so I've been on the, you know, the ultimate extended stay at home honeymoon. And I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's actually been really lucky and really, really nice and nice, um, bonus <laughs> for me. Silver, not bonus, but silver lining. Um, and then lots and lots of reading, um, not academic reading, like total escapist novels, <laughs> um, is what yeah. I've been, is what I've been reading. Um, and then Carly and I have been recording a lot yeah. of extra episodes <laughs> for the podcast, which has been keeping us nice and busy too. Um, I also, I, I'm doing what a lot of people are doing, you know, I'm sure like taking walks and 
cooking, but for me, like reading has been a, a really ultimate comfort for me. Yes, me too. And do you guys have the Libby app on your iPad or yes. phone? It's oh yeah. For anyone listening who doesn't, it's basically it just connects you to your local library. So if you have a library card, um, you can connect it to that. And I've found that super helpful. So yeah, you just uh, yeah, borrow books or audiobooks too. Yeah. Um, for parents, another hack I've been putting like one earbud in, and I. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't all day, but this is like after I've played for hours and hours and I'm like, I need to feel like an adult. I'll like listen to a book while I'm playing sometimes. So like halfway connected there. Um, So finally, I just wanted to end how I normally do, which it's usually a kids yoga specific gem. But for you both who have a broader perspective beyond yoga for kids um, to offer our listeners a little piece of advice. So I guess starting with you, Carly, what would be your little kids' knowledge gem to impart to the listeners? Yeah, I mean, there's so many connections I find between, like, especially with like young ones, with teaching young ones dance and teaching young ones um, yoga. Um, I truly, one of my favorite things I've taken away from like my kids' yoga training is like introducing like pranayama, like breath work to kids. And I've found that really helpful in dance classes. So I don't know if this is really like a gem, but if (laughs) I'm sure that most people listening to this podcast are um, interested in kids yoga already. So that's already a piece of it. But I have found that even in these like online classes that these children are really responsive to breath work. Um, and they really enjoy like sitting down and like, um, you've talked about it on this podcast before, like a birthday candle breath where they like blow out their candles on their hand and, you know, they, they think it's funny too. They get really close to the camera to do it. So you can see their face and it's all, it's zoomed up and, and, you know, close to them. And I think keeping that, alive, I think is really helpful, especially in this time, because I know that for me, finding like my breath is really helpful when I'm extra stressed, especially with what's going on. And I think that they're probably experiencing very similar things. So to remind them that they can always come back to their breath um, and that you can always come back to your breath, I think is really uh, a great takeaway. Um, And one more, I'm going to give another one. I think really just to like embrace the chaos. Like when you're working with children, you have to be prepared to have a plan, but let it go. Um, And that includes even when you're like on a Zoom call. So like embrace the fact when that kid unmutes themselves and starts screaming about their dog that's now dancing with them. And you're like, all right, well, now this is where we are. So everybody's going to unmute themselves and show up their puppy. Like, all right, cool. So we don't get to practice the dance one more time who cares? Like, that's not what they needed in this moment. And honestly, maybe this is what I needed in this moment too. So just embracing that I think is all part of it. Yeah. It's like embracing the new kind of chaos. chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for those. And Hannah, what would be your little gem? So my, I guess I'm interpreting the question a little differently than Carly, but my, my gem would be to always, always, always remember 
that every time you encounter a child, whether it's on Zoom or in real life, that that child is a human and they are developing and constructing themselves at every moment. And to because they're you know you're honoring the fact that they're human, that you're treating them with big, big love and big, big respect. Um, and if you look at everything through that lens, I really believe that, you know, that means you are just doing your best, right? Like, even when you make mistakes, if you're really, really looking at children through that lens, I think, um, we can really, really empower them. So true. I love that. So where can the listeners find you guys? Uh, so you can find Count Me In Podcast uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Um, and you can find us on social media at Count Me In Podcast um, across any platform. I mean, I think we're most active on Instagram, which then kind of feeds into Facebook. Um, and I think it's linked to a Twitter account, but I've never actually looked at it. I think it just all gets posted there in case people want to look at it. Um, and if you ever want to like email us or anything, you can send an email to countmeinpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. And everyone listening, subscribe to their podcast. I promise you'll love it. If you listen to this podcast, you'll love their podcast too. Uh, thank you both. I know it took a little effort for us to get this interview done, but I'm so glad we did. And just thank you for being on and sharing your wisdom. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're, we're big fans of this podcast, too. So, Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would so appreciate your support. You can simply rate and review. You can subscribe. Click that subscribe button and you will hear a new podcast every Thursday right on your feed. You can also email me, thekidsyogapodcast at gmail.com and give me a follow on social media, the Kids Yoga Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. All of these things really help support the podcast and get it out there so that I can continue to make more. And there are my children that need me. Namaste, everybody.